0: Thank you so much for being here. I'm always happy to see you. You know, this last song, there is nothing that compares to Jesus, our Lord. And so when we gather on Sunday morning, we're recognizing that. We're proclaiming that as a family, that he's more than worth our time and our effort, our sacrifice, our adoration. And so what a blessing it is to be able to gather with you and lift up our voices and sing these uh, wonderful songs. I'm grateful for our worship team. I know we're just missing a couple of members that are uh, part of the team as well that that, uh, either haven't made it up here for whatever reason or are sick, but we're excited to have uh, this group and we're grateful. I want them to know that we're grateful that uh, they put in the work to practice and then come here and share these songs with us and lead us in worship. I want to... um, Welcome, everyone. I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. I'm grateful that you're here. I'm really excited. I want to like start the sermon already. The message. Um, we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter five, and I'll, I'll get into that in just a little bit. There's so much I want to tell you, but let me share some uh, some announcements. I keep saying I'm going to make these really quick, and then I watch the videos on YouTube. By the way, if you if you never if you ever miss a, a sermon or it happens. Hey, let's say you kind of like dozed off for a little bit. You got distracted. I know you guys don't, but in case you ever do, and you're thinking like, I missed that second point. I just saw two, uh, or I just heard two. You can always go back on YouTube, and we have a YouTube channel. We have all the uh, messages there recorded, and, um, and as we found out not that long ago, we also have recordings of, of messages from like 10 years ago. I, I sound different. Um, I have a much more mature voice now. Now I'm self-conscious. I want to talk like this a little bit deeper. The point is, there, I think there's a lot of great teachers out there of the Word. I want you to be familiar with them. You should know that there's some great teachers. The Bible says that God has gifted the church, not just Crosspoint as a local congregation, but the church universally with some great, amazing teachers. You should know who they are. Uh, you should be exposed to, to good teaching. You should never replace your studying of the Word, but we have to recognize that there's good teachers out there that have dedicated their lives to studying the Word and can bless you in your walk with the Lord. Um, and then there's also my messages out there, you know, uh, that if ever you want to listen to those, you can find them. And, uh, but definitely the most recent ones online. I want to throw that out there. I think that's really important. If I could convince one of you or maybe just get you to start thinking about uh, starting to listen to to some of these uh, great teachers out there, there will be a great benefit to you. Uh, And the church will benefit from that. So let me go through some of the announcements that, that we want you to be aware of, and that is that today... We start our young adults ministry at 6 o'clock here at church. We'll be outdoors, so come dressed appropriately, but also come hungry. We're going to have food. Uh, we expect to just have a really blessed time. We've invited people from, obviously, our congregation. You're all invited if you're between 18 years old. If you're 17 and a half, join us. We're not going to ask for your ID, you know, for you really mature... Individual, Join us for the Young Adults Ministry. Uh, Invite someone. Bring somebody with you. We're going to have food. We're going to have the word. We're going to have some activities. We're really excited about that. Okay? So if you're between 18 years old and 30-something, that's all we're saying, 30-something, you're you're invited to join us at 6 o'clock here at church. Pray about that. If that's not you, if you're not going to be, pray about it. Or if you want to help, decorate, set up, whatever, serve. And, and you're interested in being part of that ministry? See me. We could always certainly use uh, help in that way. A week from today is a very special day—Resurrection Sunday. For Christians, uh, we get to celebrate. Put this day aside. This week, this Passion Week. Today will be Palm is Palm Sun, what's known as Palm Sunday. Our Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem for the last time before He's crucified, and then later resurrects. Um, we want to have something special next week. But by special, we mean we're going to talk about the resurrection. We're going to lift up our, our Lord and talk about the implications of that for us as a church. Great day for you to invite friends. That's why we make these flyers. We encourage you to take a stack of 10 and pass them out to different people. I truly, truly enjoy your stories when you tell me like, you know, I met somebody at the market and I started talking to him and bam, I gave him a flyer, an invitation. Beloved, we got to get to the point where we're like that. And today's message is going to address that. So next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, be here. We're going to start at 9 with some food. And then our service is going to be a combined service at 10 o'clock. I think I have mentioned that. It's on the flyer. We've been announcing it. Um, If you don't follow me on Instagram or if you don't follow our church on Instagram, make sure you do so. We put videos out there and good information out there for you. Uh, So do that. And so next week, one service. It will be a bilingual service for our Spanish-only speakers. We're going to have... Uh, Live translation via headphones. Uh, So that's also a a good option for us to be aware of. One service, 10 o'clock, we plan on having baptisms. So if you want to be baptized, if the Lord is doing a work in you, you know you're no longer the same person, and you want to proclaim your faith in Jesus Christ and your commitment to Him as your Lord and Savior, then talk to me. Let's get you baptized. Let's uh, publicly proclaim your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you have questions, see me. But we're excited about that. We hope to be able to have our baptisms right here um, versus in the other building. So we're working that out still. The week after that, 24th, we plan on having baby dedication. So that's a very specific audience that I'm speaking to, and you're already aware of that. Some of you have spoken to me about that. So we're looking forward to that 24th baby dedication. That's it for announcements. Indeed. I want to share with you a portion, a couple of verses from Romans chapter 4, verses 23 to 25, in order for us to take communion. As we get ready to take communion. So if you didn't grab one of these on your way, please raise your hand, and we'll have somebody come along and uh, provide you with one if you wish to participate in communion here with us. Romans chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. And Romans here, the Apostle Paul is talking, the context is that he's talking about Abraham's justification by faith. Abraham is known as the father of faith, right? He believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness, meaning though we are sinners, we are declared not guilty Because of what Jesus Christ did for us at the cross. He took our place at the cross. And so the context is, Paul is developing this idea of Abraham being justified by faith alone. And then verse 23 says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. Imputed means awarded to him. this This justification, this righteousness by faith. Verse 24, But also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Verse 25, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Now, that's a little heavy, but it's basically saying, look, as Abraham was justified by his faith, his trust in God, so are we. As we believe in God who gave up his only son. And then it describes our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, who was delivered up because of our offenses. That's the gospel, beloved. Jesus hung on the cross because of your and my offenses. Because of our sins, he hung on the cross. He took our place. He was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So because of our offenses, he was put to death on the cross. And for our justification, God the Father, through the power of the Spirit, raised him from the dead. As proof that his death was sufficient to pay for our sins. And then he was brought to life as a symbol that his payment was accepted. We would have all been in trouble had he stayed in the grave, by the way. But the fact that he resurrected and God raised him from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father... That is proof that what he accomplished at the cross was done, taking our sins to the grave. He left them there, came back to life. But he was delivered up for our offenses. And so as you peel back the first layer and you take the unleavened bread, which symbolizes the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was delivered for your offenses, beloved. As you take communion, we do it together, but this is a very personal thing between you and God. Understanding that this represents his body which was delivered on your behalf for your offenses. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you see the juice that represents and symbolizes the blood, the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross on our behalf. His very life was given up for the price of our sins, our transgressions, our trespasses. Let's take that together. I have a question for Matthew. Matthew, are you ready? Look at you. Of course. You guys, I only did that as an example. If I ask Matt if he's ready, that's a yes. That's an affirmative every time. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to try to sing a uh, new hymn called Amazing Grace. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Yeah? We, we sang at the cross for three weeks. We're going to sing Amazing Grace. Part of what we want to do is we want to stay connected with our history. All right? This hymn was written by John Newton. He was a captain of a slave trading ship. He was born in the early 1800s. He penned this, this poem and this song that, that is probably the most popular, well-known hymn in the history of humanity song And we get to sing it a couple of hundred years later. So many Christians that have come and gone to be with the Lord have sung this through the centuries. So let's sing Amazing Grace.
1: Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a rich like me. I once was lost but now am found Was blind but now I see Was grace that taught my heart to fear And grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear. The hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. T'was grace that brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead Home.
0: Next dance. The pause is so that we could sing this one twice as
1: loud. You guys ready for this last one? All right, let's go. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that sing. a rich like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you for this
0: beautiful morning and for allowing us to gather as your children, a group of people that were lost, but by your grace we are found. And forever grateful. We pray that you would lead us and guide us this morning, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would teach us, that you would transform our lives through the power of your word. We pray in Jesus' mighty name, amen. You may have a seat, beloved. All right. So this morning I get a chance to, that timer's not right. I love it. I would love to have an hour and ten minutes. Um. So that made you guys nervous. Some of you guys got real nervous right there. Right? Like an hour and 10 minutes. This morning, the uh, title of the message is God's work through the church. And have a confession to make. So in chapter 5 of Luke, I'm really, I've been anticipating and looking forward to one of my favorite stories. Which is the healing of the paralytic. When his friends take him to the Lord. And you know, the whole roof action. If you guys don't know that, that's because you haven't read along through chapter 5. But I was this is my confession, I was actually planning on maybe not altogether skipping this small section of the healing of this leper, but I was just going to read it and kind of go through it and, and I have to say God didn't allow me to do that. Um, and so we're going to look at Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 15, the uh, message entitled God's work through the church. And part of what I want to do, and it just kind of came out that way as I was studying, is I want us to be encouraged about being part of Crosspoint, about being part of the church. You know, the fact that we belong to Christ is is amazing. The fact that he would put us in a local church like this is such an opportunity for us to be blessed and to bless other people. Now, you guys are a quiet bunch. And I appreciate that. I guess as a teacher you want people to be quiet and attentive. But every once in a while I think a, a nice loud amen is deserved. So here it goes. I'm prepping you guys. I'm going I'm to say a quick phrase. Two words, and I would love to hear an amen, but only say amen if you believe it. Jesus heals. Amen. We have to believe that. We have to believe that Jesus heals us, and we have to believe that Jesus can heal anyone and everyone And that's what we're going to see today. It's a story of a leper, but I think it's so much more than that. I'm going to develop that with three points. But we're only going to look at Luke 5, verses 12 through 15. And I entitled it, God's work through the church. Also known as God's work through you and through me. And we have to believe that. And I think as we believe that, that's going to change how we behave, how we view attending church services I think it's going to change how committed we are to the local congregation and how committed we are to God's work and the people around us. I really believe that what we talk about here on Sunday mornings is of utmost importance. I hope you do too. I would imagine that's why you continue to come. Because you realize that what we do, despite of who the speaker is, that doesn't matter, is that we are in God's word talking about Jesus Christ our Lord and how he can heal Us and everybody around us. But in order for that to work, a couple things have to happen. I want to say this in the introduction. You have to believe and understand that you're broken and in need of healing. I do. I don't think I understand just how broken I am. But I know I'm broken. I know I need healing in many different levels in my life. And that's probably step one. Because if you think you're all, all right, then the Lord said that those who are well don't need a physician. And he is the great doctor. If he is the great doctor but you don't have need for a doctor, then the Lord is saying like, well, there's nothing for me to do in your life. But for those of us that realize that are, we're broken and you don't let the enemy hinder you from coming to the healer, to church, and to the gatherings because you're broken. That's, you know, he's He's so smart. I don't want to give him too much credit, but he is. He's been around. And when we see our brokenness, whether it's our flesh or the enemy, we'll say like, oh, and you're going to go to church like that? All messed up? You should say, that's exactly why I have to go to church. Because I know I'm messed up. Beloved, there is so much power in the Lord. And that power in our lives is ultimately what makes us good witnesses of his. So many people have this against the church. They're a bunch of hypocrites. They all act like they got everything together. You know, they think that because there's at least some truth in that. I hope that cross point never becomes that and, and, and whatever amount of that we are, that it would lessen as we become more transparent and honest with ourselves and with each other and say, man, I'm I'm broken. And I realize that I need healing. And then we can say, well, you know where the healing's at. Jesus is the great healer. So let's get together. Let's pray over one another. Let's help one another. Let's encourage each other. Let's be in the word. Let's understand who this Jesus is. And beloved, some of you need healing of all sorts of types. I know some of you. <laughs> I, I, I kid you not. I... I I need, I need help with everything. But that's a good place to be at when we learn to depend on Christ. When it's not just words, when we realize that we depend on him every hour of the day. Beloved, that's a good place to be at. And we're going to see that in this man that experiences this amazing miracle by God. This church is all about making disciples. We've, if you haven't noticed, we kind of put all our chips in. I shouldn't use those types of analogies. You don't even know what I'm talking about. Like potato chips? Yeah, yeah, potato chips. We put, we've put all of our chips in to say we're going to be all about making disciples. And you have to pay attention to that. I don't want to be very intentional because if you're not about making disciples and being a disciple, guess what? You're not going to fit in. And as you don't fit in, you're going to be like, man, I wish church was more like the way it used to be. When I was 12, it was so much fun just going to the youth group. do not have to worry about anything. Discipleship stuff. Or whatever it is that comes to your mind. You know, some of us live like we want to go back in time and, and relive the good old days. Beloved, for a Christian, our best days are always ahead of us. Amen. Our best days are always ahead of us. Stop looking back and dwelling in the past. Where you at right now is where God has you. And you know where he wants you to be. Let's go forward and let's do it together. But we're all about making disciples. And that means maybe it's not always going to be like the most fun church. But man, I've been reading the Bible for a while. And then like making your, your church fun or entertaining is, is not in there. I'm looking and it's not in there. we got to take God serious. Now I have to be honest with you as well. As much as I believe and I, and I do that God is serious and we are to take him serious and we are to dedicate our lives I would describe my life as full of joy since my early years even as a teenager you know those dreaded years that I mean I had my weirdness and all that stuff but having known the Lord through my intermediate years and my high school years I had a blast not the way the world would describe it but, man, I've, I've, I've experienced God's joy for the last 30 years of my life. And I feel like right now is the best time of my life. And if you would have asked me five years ago, I probably would have said that five years ago was the best time of my life. And five years before that was the best time of my life. Like, I really feel like that. And it's not because I have a perfect life or everything's well and all my circumstances are in order. That's not the case. But I really feel because by God's grace, I've been growing in faith. And I still have so much weight. So much more to go, but I've experienced this joy in knowing the Lord. I want that for you. Because I think that's what, in part, God uses to be a testimony to other people. So making disciples is what we're about in this church. That's why our, 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 we have a discipleship process. That's what we're about. We're about experiencing God through Sunday morning. We're about committing ourselves to spiritual growth through growth groups. And we're about loving the world by serving them with God's love experience God commit to growth serve the world we do those basic things you're on a good path to be a good disciple and a good disciple maker but that's what we have to be about and it's going to be tough it's going to be difficult making disciples is not an easy thing you talk to any church any church leader any church pastor little ones big ones doesn't matter They will always confess to you that getting everyone to be good disciples and disciple makers is the toughest thing. And I would agree because that's God's work. But that's why I'm so excited. When I see God doing work in your lives, when I see what he's doing in my life, when I hear what God's doing in your life, to me that's exciting because I see God at work. Beloved, there is healing in Jesus Christ. He's the great healer for us and for everybody around us. So excited. We all need it. And everyone around you needs this healing that only Jesus can provide. And so, this story that we're going to read right now—I'll I'll read it through since it's only, you know, four verses. And I've already confessed to you—I almost skipped right over it, but I'm glad that I didn't. And here it is. Last week we talked about our Lord uh, and and the calling of his first disciples and the miracle that he did with the fish and Peter's reaction to say he left it all and then he followed the Lord. And then verse 12 picks up right here. So I'm gonna read Luke 5, verses 12 through 15. It says, And it happened when he, Jesus, was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. And he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. That's some faith right there. Then he, Jesus, put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one but go and show yourself to the priest, he said, and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went out around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. I know you're thinking like, Mike, you want to skip over that? Shame on you. God's work through the church. Now you might be thinking like, wait a minute, God's work through the church? I didn't see any of that right here. But it is. It's right there. I'll help you see it if you didn't see it. I have three points that I want to share with you. The main point is this God is glorified when we lovingly point people to Christ. That is our mission statement. Our mission statement is to glorify God by lovingly pointing people to the cross of Christ for salvation and growth. All that to say you could you could put all that into we want to glorify God by being and making disciples. Same thing. We want to glorify God. We believe that's the most important thing for the church and for any one of us to do. To glorify God by lovingly pointing people to the cross of Christ for salvation and growth. That's our mission statement. And I think that is what we see right here. So the main point, God is glorified when we lovingly point people to Christ. And um, here are the three points. Let's get right to it. People experience healing when the church, or when we, people experience healing when the church, point number one, demonstrates Jesus. When the church demonstrates Jesus, then people can see Jesus through the church, just as this leper. Luke, who is a good physician, who's a doctor, tells us here that this man was full of leprosy. Full of didn't, He wasn't just a leper, which would have been bad enough, but Luke being a doctor says this man was full of leprosy. What does that mean? He was in a condition that he couldn't repair himself or nobody could actually help him. Leprosy is still an incurable disease, skin disease, and it's terrible. It's got social implications. And here he was full of leprosy, meaning can't go to a regular doctor, can't just put on sabila. Ah, that's a Hispanic joke right there. Aloe vera. Some of us like to fix everything with that. Just
1: put some... some.
0: Leprosy is something you cannot fix on your own. Incurable. And I love this. Think about the spiritual implications of this, beloved. You and I, our sin problem is incurable, physically or humanly speaking. Only Christ can take care of that. And so here is this man full of leper leprosy and 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 the way that Luke presents it I love it It says and it happened like when it happened doesn't really matter where it happened doesn't really matter and who it was that had the leprosy doesn't really matter like like there's something bigger here so he says that it happened when he was in a certain city what's important is Jesus he was in a certain city that behold a man he could have named it but they didn't a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus Now, get emotional about this and have two questions. You have to be honest when you answer these. Do you see Jesus? Are you walking with him? Are you fellowshipping with him? Or is Jesus this, like, pie-in-the-sky kind of thing, like Jesus? I don't know. I don't even know who Jesus is. Have you had that encounter that we've talked about with Peter last week? Have you been humbled by his greatness Do you have a glimpse of who he is? Well, this man saw Jesus. And if we're going to experience healing, we have to see Jesus. Yeah, he's at the right hand of God the Father, but he's God. He's everywhere. He lives in us. He lives in every believer. We're going to develop that. So it's so important that as this man full of leprosy saw Jesus, that we are constantly in fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ if we're going to experience healing. I don't know why you come to church. I would assume it's all the right reasons. But part of why you come to church is, in fact, not in a weird way, but to see Jesus. Like you look around and you see what Jesus is doing in all of our lives. If you know people at church, which I would encourage you to do, you're going to see how God is transforming us into Christ-likeness. And if that's happening, then we're going to be able to see each other and be like, man, I see Jesus all over you. And so my first question is, do you see Jesus? And if you're not experiencing healing, and by that I don't mean just necessarily physical healing or because it could be physical, mental, psychological, emotional healing. We should all be experiencing healing as we spend time with Jesus. And then the second point is, Do people around you see Jesus in you? These are great questions. We could spend the whole time talking about this. Do people around you see Jesus in you? Because if not, where are they going to see him? In the movies they watch? In the television shows that they watch? In the sports that they watch? In the friends that they hang with? Where are people that don't know the Lord, where are they going to have an encounter with Jesus? Where will they, as this man full of leprosy who saw Jesus, where will your friends, your relatives, and your coworkers see Jesus, if not in you? That is a responsibility that we have. To demonstrate Jesus. The church is the body of Christ. We are Christ's representation here on earth. Like, you are the church. Every person here, if you're a child of God, you belong to the church. We're all individual members, but we belong to one body, and that is the body of Christ. Your family, your friends, your relatives, your coworkers, your teammates, your neighbors need to see Jesus, and they can see him in you as you continue to grow in Christ likeness that should be a little scary that kind of gives me the feeling of depart from me Lord like I'm not worthy because in you if you're like me you're probably thinking about your life and maybe some of the inconsistencies in your life thinking like they might see Jesus a little bit and then they're going to see Satan and they're like whoa what do you mean stop acting like I'm That's the walk that we have. That's the challenge that we have. That's the process of discipleship, becoming more like Christ for us and to help each other do that. I think that's amazing. So people will experience healing when the church demonstrates Jesus. People have to see Jesus. And so are we seeing Jesus and are people seeing Jesus in us? Let me share some verses Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, Paul says, I have been crucified. The old me has been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live. The old me is gone. But Christ lives in me. What does that mean? What should that mean? That if Paul's old self has been crucified along with Christ and it's now Christ who lives in him, people around him should see Christ in Paul. And by default in us. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul had it right. The old Mike is dead, has been crucified with Christ. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of Man who loved me, gave himself for me. Therefore, I no longer live the life that I once lived. I now live the life that Christ has for me. And when I do that, people will see it. And they will see Christ in me. And they will be attracted to Christ. And they will find healing in Christ. See how that works? The next verse, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. When's the last time you put on something but people couldn't see it? Your invisible coat. You know, when you bring out your nicest jacket, why do you put it on? So people can see it. Like, bam. Makes you look slimmer, probably. That's probably why you like it. All right? Yes. Makes you look good. It's like you're projecting something. You put that on. You're going to go somewhere nice, not cuz you want to impress necessarily, but you want to look nice, you put on your best. Here it says if we've been baptized into Christ, we have put on Christ. And when you put on Christ, people are going to see him on you. That is the testimony. But we have to be willing to sacrifice the old self and to start living the life that Christ has for me. I think it's really simple. When that doesn't happen, when we don't see Christ in our lives and people around us don't see Christ in our lives, it's simple. You're living a selfish life. Maybe you're living in sin. And you're not living the life that Christ has for you. That's it. That's it. When we submit to God and we start living the way he wants us to live, people will see Christ in us. Not perfectly, but they're going to know you're not the same person. Last verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We need to demonstrate Jesus so that we can see Jesus in our life and experience healing, and other people who need healing can see Jesus in our lives and come to him for healing. It's all right there. People will experience healing when the church demonstrates Jesus. That's the homework for the rest of our lives, to show Jesus in our lives. Point number two, people will experience healing when the church not only demonstrates Jesus, but when they declare Jesus. So what happened here? It says that, that the, the man that was full of leprosy saw Jesus let me just read that and spend a little bit, a couple minutes here. And he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. Boy, what does it mean to have faith? That is what it looks like to have faith. And I love it. To come to the Lord and say, Lord, if you want, you can. Fill in the blanks. Lord, if you want a blank... I know that you can. It's just a matter of, if, are you willing? But you know what God is willing? You know what God wills for our lives? Our sanctification. He wants us to be more like Christ. And so anything that, that is in accordance with that, that's going to guide us towards that, that is God's will. You don't have to wonder. So stop being silly. Lord, if this is not the right guy for me, take him out of my life. Mm, the Lord already, like, you already know that's not the guy for you. Like, ask all your friends and, like, the, the Lord, you don't have to be ambiguous about God's will for your life. Lord, if you don't want me to have this job selling whatever, that might seem immoral. But, Lord, they pay so good. But if you don't want me to have this job, just, you know, turn it. Don't let me get the job. The Lord doesn't want you to have that job. I think think it's simple. Man, we fool ourselves into so many silly things. I don't know if this is God's will for your life. If you're doubting it, you probably already know it's not God's will for your life. Is it going to sanctify you? Is it going to make you be more like Christ? If it's not, then he doesn't want that for you. You already know that. Stop playing games. And trust him. It's kind of like going back, Peter, going, Lord, I know if you could help me get that catch of fish every other day, but only if you want to, all right? Now, what does Peter do? He leaves it all behind and follows the Lord. He trusts him. Beloved, we got to be willing to get rid of the stuff that we already know God wants us to get rid of. And we should start pursuing the things that we know God wants us to pursue. That will demonstrate to you that you actually have faith. Like this man, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. See, he he has no doubt that Jesus has the power to heal. It's just a matter of, Lord, if, if this is your will, I know you can do it. And the Lord has compassion on him, stretches out his hand, and he says, yeah, I do want to heal you. Boom. Done. Just like that? Just like that. Can he do that now? Yes, he can. You know who we all were? You sang it. Hey, you sang it. I don't know. Who saved a what? A wretch. You know what a wretch is? Look it up afterwards. He saved a wretch like me. That's who we were. And how did he? He saved us. I love it. Look, this man just sees Jesus And nobody says, go, go, throw yourself at his feet. Hurry up. And then when you're there, tell him something nice like, uh, just repeat what I'm about to tell you. Tell him uh, he's awesome and he can heal you if you want. Like, who taught him all that stuff? Where did he come up with this amazing declaration? I'll tell you who. God did. God put it in his heart to humble himself, to go against everything that is in us, as selfish human beings and proud human beings to throw himself at Jesus' feet and say, Lord, if you want, you can heal me. The reason why I say that is you don't have to trick people into accepting the Lord. You don't have to manipulate circumstances so that people can come. Look around, think about your life. God did that work. God put that spark in you. God is the one that lured you in. He's the one that chased after you. He's the one that came to seek and to save you, which were lost as a wretch in this world. He did all that. But the Lord went to that place, and he allowed this man to see him. And then God takes care of everything, beloved. God takes care of everything. So he fell on his face, implored and saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. Then he put out his hand, touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Immediately the leprosy left him. God is still in the business of doing miracles. And if by God's grace we're children of God, that is a miracle that only he can accomplish. And then it says, and he charged him to tell no one but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony for for your cleansing, as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. If you read... The, the account in Mark. So here's this man full of leprosy. He's healed, cleansed immediately. And the Lord says, don't tell anyone. In Mark, I'll read you what it says. In Mark 144. I don't have that on the notes, so it's not going to come up in the screen. But I'll just read it. In Mark 144, the same account. It says... And, and, and Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, not a word to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer your cleansing, those things which Moses commanded, a testimony to them. Verse 45 in Mark 1 says, However, he, the leper who was cleansed, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city. Now, I don't know. The Lord told him, don't say anything to anyone. And he was like, sorry. I can't shut up. I can't not speak of what you've done for me. You know, we talk about, uh, and, and not a, I'm not opposed to this. Let's teach people how to evangelize. Hmm, yes. I, and I would say yes and yes. And I would agree with that. I say this sincerely. We need to learn certain things and maybe certain tactics. But beloved, if you had an encounter with Jesus and you understand what he's done for you, nobody has to tell you, you know, what the four laws of or any, any, just tell people. Here, Jesus told them, don't say anything to anyone. And this guy could not be quiet. I mean, out of respect, you would have thought that he would obey Jesus. He doesn't want to be known. I'm not going to say anything. Nah, no, forget. I can't. I was full of leprosy, and he just cleansed me. I'm going to tell everybody. Why would I be quiet about that? I don't know what the Lord's intentions was about that, but I love the fact that this man disobeyed the Lord, and he told everybody about what Christ had done for him. You want to be a witness? You want to evangelize? Spend time with the Lord. Make sure you're seeing him. Make sure you're experiencing healing, and then. You're not going to be able to be quiet. That's what he did. We better go to point number two. Oh, we are in point number two. People experience healing when the church demonstrate Jesus and when they declare Jesus. And that's what this man did. He just told everybody. He proclaimed it freely. If you ever, you know, I want to tell my coworkers about the Lord, but... I don't think my boss wants me to speak of Jesus. What are you going to do, obey your boss over the Lord? Some of us need to get fired for standing up for what's right. Oh, you know, you can't speak politics and religion anywhere. Yeah, that's what Satan wants. Good job. Way to follow Satan. Be obedient to him. You know, if I talk to my family about Jesus, they probably won't talk to me again. They're not going to talk to you anyway. If you start living for Christ. We gotta, you know, just kind of pay attention to what's happening. Uh, just the other day, I got a chance to pray over a game at a public school. You know? I'm like the announcer at Cal High School. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but my really son plays volleyball there. And I got asked to be the announcer. And they told me, you know, we had a special something. And if you like to pray, you can. So they gave me a mic and they told me I can pray if I want. What do you think I did? I prayed. Of course, I prayed. Got to be a little defiant, kind of like in Acts, when, when the disciples are told, you know, they beat them up and say, "Like we're gonna let you go, but don't you dare talk about Jesus." And they're like, "Whether it's right to obey you or God, you decide." But we're gonna obey God. But that's not easy. I understand that. So we need to declare Jesus. Speak of him. Speak freely about him, what he's done for us, what, people, what they could do for people. So 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, that's you, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, for what? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's a reason why you're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, so that you can proclaim, so that you can speak of what God has done in your life. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As if God was pleading through us, we are to proclaim for people to come to Christ. And then Romans 1.16, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Paul said, I'm not ashamed to proclaim the good news of Christ. But it might cost me. Oh, yeah. I didn't say it wasn't. I said you should get fired for it. (laughs) So I did tell you. I warned you. Paul lost his life, his head, for proclaiming Christ. So did all the other disciples except John from what we can tell. So it is going to cost us. And chances are none of us are going to lose our lives for proclaiming Christ. Yeah, you might lose some friends. and Yeah, you might lose some relationships. But I say it's worth it. Because people will experience healing through the church when the church demonstrates Jesus, declares Jesus. And point number three, directs people to Jesus. What do I mean by that? So verse 15 again, it says, however, the report went out around concerning him. And we know why, because the guy that got healed just proclaimed it freely. It says the report went all around concerning him. So that's where the, the declaring Jesus part comes in. All the more, and great Multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. You know what that looked like to me? Church. Great multitudes came together to hear Jesus and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Beloved, there's power In the blood of Jesus, there is power in people getting together. James says, Confess your sins once to another that you may be healed. If you're carrying around a bunch of junk from your past and you haven't shared that with anyone, if you haven't confessed that to God and and, and maybe to some trusted people in the church, you're like literally killing yourself. And you don't have to. You don't have to. We're all broken. We all have things that we're ashamed of in our past and in our present. But you don't want to let the enemy hinder you from experiencing healing by seeing Jesus and spending time with him. And then demonstrating him to others. You don't have to wait to be perfect. You know, some of us play into the hands of the enemy. You can't tell people about Jesus. Look at your life. Well, what are you going to do? Wait until your life is perfect? Good luck. It's never going to happen. False and all. We need to declare Jesus and we need to direct people to Jesus. And I think that's what what Crosspoint is about. That's why we're going to have a young adults meeting today. We want to direct people to Jesus, to a fellowship of believers. We want to tell them about God's love and power to heal of every sort of disease. But we need to be here. We need to gather great multitudes, got together to hear Jesus and to experience healing from Jesus. I hope that's why you come to church. To hear Jesus. Don't hear Mike. you are you going to be disappointed when you're just listening to Mike? He did this he did that he said this wrong he did that wrong his joke wasn't even funny and don't worry about mike come to hear jesus look at his word and experience healing by being willing to open up to people we have people here to pray with you we have the elders we have monique and lance we have jesse and kathy right here we have elvia and patrick David, Keith, and a bunch of others. Don't leave. Don't run. Come back. Stick around. Talk to someone. Meet someone. Experience healing through the mutual gathering of believers. We all need it. And we all can find it. So, Listen to what happens here in John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. Last week we talked about um, Andrew and Simon and John. So in John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42, talk about directing people to Jesus. By the way, next Sunday would be a great place to direct people to Jesus, to our church. Take a flyer and say, hey, I want to invite you to come to church and hear about Jesus who resurrected from the dead. John 1, verses 40-42, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother. So Andrew heard about Jesus first and he followed Jesus. But look, verse 41, he first found his own brother, Peter, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Andrew found Jesus. By testimony of John the Baptist. And then he's like, whoa, that's the, I'm going to follow him. And he says, before he started following Jesus, he went and got his brother, Peter, and said, hey, we found the Messiah. Let's go. When's the last time you did that with someone? Hey, next week we're going to have a great service at church. Let's go. I want you to go. I don't want to go if you don't go. Pleading. Through us, Christ is for people to be reconciled. Like, what are you doing to try to bring people to Christ? That's, a, that's an honest question. That's not a, you know, so you can have a guilt trip when you leave here. I'm saying develop a plan and be in prayer. Have people in mind and in your prayers that you want to bring to Jesus. And don't worry about how they're going to react or, you know, they're not the right kind of church people. What are you talking about? The guy was full of leprosy. And he on his own threw himself at the feet of Jesus and said, if you are willing, you can heal me and experience that. You're not going to do the healing. You don't even have to prep people. You just have to bring them, show Jesus, give testimony of God's love and power in your life, and God will take care of the rest. He allows us to be part of his work. We're not, it's not our work, our work. It's not our plan. It's not our design. God has done it all already. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Everything's already set. Just be obedient and stop living for yourself and live for him. The life that he wants for you and things are going to be so different. Last verse. 1 Corinthians 9.22. Paul says, to the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And he's not saying that he's the Savior. You understand that. But he is saying, I did everything that I could for everyone so that some can come to know the Lord. That's how Paul spent his life. You know, Paul finished his life, it says in Acts, on a rented house. Some of us think that owning a house is like the biggest priority in our lives. Or, or whatever, anything else. Paul, the greatest apostle, finished his days incarcerated, living in a rented house, ready to be executed. And in the meantime, he kept proclaiming, writing letters, bringing people to Christ. Whatever it took, there is healing in Christ. But people need to see him, so we need to declare him demonstrate Him, and direct people to Jesus. That's our job, and that's our privilege. No special training needed. Just having had an encounter with Christ and having the right attitude to submit to Him. God's work through the church. That's who we are. That's why we're here. And by God's grace, I tell you, I'm so motivated and encouraged. Why? Seeing God working in your lives. Seeing God bring new people just about every week. Many of you staying here. If we could be of service to you, which I know we can, speak to us. Stick around. There's people here that will pray for you, get to know you. And um, the more you do, the more healing you'll experience and the more likely you'll be to bring other people so that they can experience the healing that you yourself are experiencing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for everything. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this example of this man who was full of leprosy. And thank you for your son, our Lord Jesus, who was willing to heal him and gives testimony of your power and your love and your compassion to heal and to save We thank you for doing that saving work in our lives. I thank you for everybody who's here. We're all walking testimonies of your love, your power, and grace. We ask for forgiveness, Father, for we realize that none of us do that perfectly or maybe even very well. But we repent from that. And we ask for strength and courage and wisdom that we would walk in a way that is worthy of your calling. We pray that you will be pleased in saving many people Through the efforts here at Crosspoint, we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. God bless you, beloved. You're dismissed.